0: Train, eat, repeat, the knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another episode of Train, Eat, Repeat. Glad you guys are joining us. Andrea and I are here. And what are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about recovery. And I think it's a very sort of misunderstood concept, but a very important piece of the entire, basically, of just being a human. Mm-hmm. Like, like we have to be able to rest and recover in order to perform at our best. And that's not just talking about exercise, but that's also talking about your jobs, your relationships. And everything else in between. Before we get into the episode, I want to make sure that you guys have a little teaser for next week's episode. So excited to be able to sit down with Doctor Aaron Horschig of Squat University. He is a physical therapist that prim- primarily works with strength athletes, but he is also a big, big proponent and and sort of champion of the fact that we just need to be able to do a good looking body weight squat and and overall how it can help us live longer and also help us live healthier. So can't wait to sit down with him. Do not miss next week's episode. Very excited. If you want to check him out already, if you're on Instagram, check him out at at squat university. Um, really good information that he's putting out there. So kind of on that note, Mm -hmm. because obviously we need to be able to recover from the days that we do our squats and our exercise. What is recovery to you, Andrea?
1: So I think uh, I have to go back and I I would have to say that it took me a long time to learn how to recover. And I think it's a, a constant topic that we talk about with our clients. But recovery to me is not sitting on the couch watching Netflix and binging and doing nothing at all. Recovery to me is maybe taking a break from weightlifting for the day and doing some mobility work, maybe doing some Pilates or going for a long walk, just something to stretch my muscles out but still keep moving in the way that I I am able to get my heart rate a little higher but also move and stretch and feel um, feel like I'm doing something good for my joints.
0: Yeah, recovery, you know... Is kind of misunderstood in the sense that recovery and rest are, are two different things, mm-hmm. but they but they're mm-hmm. synonymous too. So and more times than not, what I find is that people will take the word recovery, like you said, and they'll just sort of sit down. Where studies have shown us that recovery actually is bet, happens when you have circulation. Mm-hmm. And circulation is constantly happening in your body. I understand that. But if you're just sitting down and being immobile, those tissues stay tighter, right? So you're actually delaying that recovery process. The other thing people misunderstand is that recovery is actually when you're taking those times to work on your mobility. And what it also means is that that adaptation, so meaning like we're able to get stronger, you're able to come back and perform even better than you did the day before, Mm -hmm. only happens when you're planning that recovery appropriately. Absolutely. I found this quote in a in an article by Precision Nutrition and I just love it is only while we rest can our body adapt to compensate for the stress we put on it
1: I love that yeah, for sure. So I think a lot of clients don't understand that they have to, it's not a no pay, no gain mentality. And I think it took me a long time to understand that as well, that I had to be, you know, killing myself in the gym every day. And then um, Sunday, I wouldn't do anything. I'd lay on the couch, but I've, I've learned a long, long time that we've have to keep moving. And I think it's an education process with our clients as well. That they're like, well, I'm so sorry, I can't even move today. Getting up and going for a walk or just doing some mobility work or stretching goes a long way for those muscles that you worked out the day before and feeling better that you moved around and you'll feel less sore. But also recovery is about turning your mind off as well.
0: Oh, for sure. The mental game is is huge and your ability to have certain practices in place Mm -hmm. um, you know sort of 30 minutes of parasympathetic you know uh, activity every single day which basically just means that you're not in that fight or flight response Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know your ability to sort of quiet your mind which does take practice by the Mm -hmm. way like Mm -hmm. it's not something that you can just do on a whim but just like you learning how to perform a good deadlift or a good squat or learning the aspects of training Mm -hmm. you know you also have to learn the aspects of being able to quiet your mind, especially in today's world.
1: Absolutely. It's so important to be in control of your day in the sense of setting apart some time, either in the morning or whenever your time is, that you can just turn off the world and look inward. Either it's reading a book, journaling, uh, listening to a podcast, uh, listening to music, but something that you can just go inward and just kind of release.
0: And the other piece of it, too, I think sometimes is awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm early on in my sort of training career, if you will, like where where I've basically been consistently training now for probably, gosh, I don't know. Probably fifteen years, mm-hmm. like of consistent gym workouts and constantly working on certain elements of my fitness. You know, a lot of people don't realize the symptoms that show up. People might think, "Oh, well, you know, I pushed it really hard, and and this is just normal to feel this way." But I'm here to tell you, it's not. Mm-hmm. And and we, if we don't, if we know the symptoms of overtraining, there is less. Then we can sort of address it, yes. and it's less likely that we're going to do it. Because if you do it for long term, what can happen is what's called overtraining. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it that typically among the general population. A lot of times I see it in like athletes Uh or New Year's resolutionists yes, because they go after it like super hard. So like Overtraining typically happens when your training volume, so like, is really high. Meaning you might be training like six, seven days a week, and every single session is like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Like you are lifting heavy. They're they're long workouts. Yeah. You're spending like an hour and a half. Yep. On your workouts, or maybe you're even doing two a days, and your caloric restriction is massive. Mm-hmm. Like you've just decided to. Basically, attack both issues at the same time, but like go from like zero to a hundred. so what can happen is that you lose your strength and your fitness, so like you notice that you're lethargic, you're tired all the time, even if your eating's on point, like you just can't get enough energy for your workouts mm-hmm. um. Chronic joint and muscle pain that lasts more than that two day sort of like delayed onset muscle soreness, Mm -hmm. Um, serious changes in mood like you can get really irritable, tired, edge, absolutely, Mm -hmm. Um, sleep disruption. You end up like you can't sleep well, like you're tossing and turning the whole time, and that's because cortisol levels are elevated. Immunity problems seem to get sick.
1: Yeah, even if you have a long hard workout, people notice that they tend to get a little congestion in their in their lungs. They're pushing it too hard.
0: And hormonal suppression. You can actually lose your ability to have mojo. Uh-huh. Like testosterone gets lowered, mm-hmm. estrogen gets lowered. Oh, yeah. Like you just don't feel like having that like intimate moment with your significant other. So and that and those are again, those are that's the extreme. But what we see more often is overreaching, which overreaching typically happens before you get to overtraining. But they're basically the symptoms are the same. They're just a little bit more mild. So, you know, you still will have low energy, you're still losing an interest in training, that has actually happened to me before. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, you you go so hard for so long that you're just like, I can't do another day. I just can't do it.
0: And I I think what would be important for the listeners to hear from you Mm -hmm. is like, you obviously did a um, fitness competition, mm-hmm. which those that realm takes things to extreme, Oh yeah, granted, for a short period of time. But tell me what the effect it had on you, and do you feel like you got into that overreaching?
1: Oh, God, 100%. So I trained 18 months, and the latter part of that 18 months was a lot of two-a-days. And I was not eating to fuel my body. I was very restrictive. Um, I was laser-focused. That's all I thought about day in and day out, was training and exercise and what I'm putting in my body and how I need to work on my posing. It was just a constant, constant focus on that end goal. And when it came and went, I had lost a lot of uh, my relationship with training. I just didn't want, I didn't want to pick up another way. I wanted to take time off. And that's, it was hard for me because that was, that's my job, you know, to motivate other people. And so to take a step back from training, I took a step back and I was just like, I, I'm done. I have to, I, I didn't have a good, healthy relationship with food. I didn't enjoy training. I just had to take a step back. And I did pr- probably a good two months. Um, I was still doing roller derby at the time, so that was my probably my, my workout, my, my stress release, but I had to fall back in love with training again.
0: And so, how how was that process? Like, obviously, we know the timeline, but what was the thing that helped you get back into it? And and what was the difference in training? Like, obviously, you weren't training as intensely, but did that shift your focus because you had basically taken yourself to that extent, that extreme?
1: I would say the thing that brought me back was probably my clients, you know, motivating them and being showing up for them every day, your product by the product, you know, and I... I started to want to get back into running and wanting to start to lift the weights. I I was uh, I had realized that, you know, I can handle this, but I don't have to go to the extreme that I have to go. But I also didn't do recovery either. And that two months, I think, was my recovery of turning it off and not caring about what I looked like anymore. Like I had to I had to step away from my own mental health to fall back into feeling self-love for myself.
0: And I would imagine that you probably didn't want to have to take off two months, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and that's the sort of the message here is like if if you are having these symptoms and maybe you're doing like a fitness competition, a lot of those competitors when they get off the stage, yeah. you told me like you just hammered a bunch of like emotional yeah. food that you yeah. weren't allowed oh, to yeah. have the whole time. <laughs> and you have to think like that is a big influx of glucose and and, and just emotion that you're putting on your body and stress.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So to have to take
0: two months off away from lifting weights, I'm not going to say that it was the worst thing for you because I think it was in that situation, but we also don't want you to fall in that pitfall where you have to take two months off at a time. Yeah.
1: No, if I did it over again, it would be very different. I think I'm mentally stronger than I was before and that I would know how to uh, tackle the after the stage and what I do next type of thing. I think it was just I was so focused and so consumed for so long that I didn't take that time within that 18 months to... have quiet time and to recover. I didn't recover at all. There was no recovery day. There was no day off. It was hard and fast. And the end goal was here. And this is what I had to do. And that's, I had put it in my mind that that's what I was going to do. Uh, I think going through it differently, going through it now, there's so much more knowledge that I've gained about myself and about how to um, tackle those issues is that I think I would definitely build in recovery because Having recovery in my life now is huge, and it's so beneficial—not only for my sleep, my fuel, my mind, um, being uh, being a friend, a girlfriend, a parent, those type of things. It's so necessary in my life.
0: And in that realization that there is more outside of your training, like your goals are important. Don't get me wrong. But I was the same way when I trained for my half marathon. And obviously, the timeline shorter, it's Mm -hmm. it's a different diet and things like that. But I like when I finished that finish line for nine weeks straight, I was running five days a week. It's more running I've ever done in my entire life. And It was one of those things where, like, I kind of wanted to step away from running for a little bit. That didn't mean I stopped training. Right. But I was, like, so burned out on it. And so that's where that balance comes in. And And sort of some ways that you can ensure that you're not going to get burned out is making sure that you vary the intensity of those workouts. Like, like your rate of perceived exertion and sort of, like you said, checking in with yourself, knowing your own body of of when you need to sort of, like, dial things back. Mm -hmm. They even have – technology now, like Aura Ring,
1: yeah. that, yeah. you
0: know, they say that through technology, um, it's sort of measuring a, a, a statistic called your heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. It can actually tell you how ready you are for an intense exercise session, which is intense. I and I don't know if the science is on yeah. there. Yeah. But a lot of times you know how you feel when you wake up first thing in the morning. For or, sure. you know, if everything's on point, you slept good, you had a good meal, you know, all your preparation pieces were there, and you just don't feel like you can push it, yeah. then don't.
1: Right. I do want to say that parents out there that are listening to this, watch your kids because we're pushing our kids harder and faster than they've ever been pushed. And we're seeing a lot of overtraining for, um, from kids with – you know, that are sports specific athletes, um, my niece specifically, you know, she trains um, very hard for softball and they have a weight regimen that they have to do and practices that they have to do. But we have to make sure we're cross training other muscles and that we're actually building in recovery for them as well. They're not going to be able to speak to, I don't feel good. They're just going to, I don't want to go to practice today. You know, make sure that you are watching those athletes and making sure you're building in some time where they can turn off and recover.
0: And more importantly, and not even more importantly, that's a great point you just made because I do see it more often. Mm-hmm. Like we were even talking with your sister the other day mm-hmm. about your niece and the comparisons of when I played baseball oh, yeah, and when what they're doing now for like their conditioning, mm-hmm. it's year round. Mm-hmm. And I love baseball. I just don't know if my body could handle, my right. arm could handle, you know, baseball type activities year sure. round or even football. Any of those sports now are year round and and they're lacking that sense of recovery, yeah. not just for the body, but the mind. Oh, like, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Make Just keep an eye on them. They're not going to be able to articulate what what that feeling is specifically but just make sure that you're building in some type of recovery for them.
0: So from a from an exercise standpoint, we talked about varying the intensity of the workout, sort of listening to your body, uh varying the load, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We should always be varying our load mm-hmm. and the intensity of our workouts mm-hmm. so that way our body can actually recover in between. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. longer rest periods. Yeah. Like especially new people to exercise. The sort of stigma out there is that you have to do everything really hard, really fast, no rest in between. Right. And that's the most effective workout. Sometimes the dosage and the, and the sort of prescription or the consistency of the workout is what matters. You're not going to be able to go hard all the time. Right. And again, we've talked about before how your body – keep score. Right. And eventually, it's, it, and your body always wins. Your body will always mm-hmm. tell you, you know what, I'm going to shut down. And more times than not, it ends up in one of those overreaching or overtraining categories mm-hmm. of like, it's a nagging injury that won't go away, or I feel really low energy, or I, I don't have feel like I'm connecting with my family anymore because mm-hmm. I'm so focused on it.
1: Don't rush through your your exercises like he said take a take a break um if you're doing a hit style workout do it for a short time but don't rust don't rush through those exercises take the necessary rest time and if you're not able to get everything in an hour that's okay push it off to the next day and do that you know those exercises that you wanted to do the next day
0: and then obviously we talked about this a little bit already, but active recovery mm-hmm. when it comes to exercise. So circulation helps with healing mm-hmm. and also trying not to rely on sort of the rice method. Mm-hmm. So rest ice compression, elevation muscle soreness is normal. Inflammation response is normal in your body. That means that your body is adapting, not that you should be sore after every workout. That is never an indicator of a good workout. However, we kind of want that sort of inflammation response response, to sort of happen. It's natural. It's
1: natural part of your body. Absolutely acute inflammation is natural part of your body. Um, chronic inflammation is not. That's when we have a lingering issue that we need to take care of.
0: Yeah, And if you're new to exercise, it may last longer than a couple days. Right. So delayed onset muscle soreness is usually about a two-day turnaround. Yeah. Like You may feel it more on day two after your workout versus after day one. But if it lasts longer than that, that just might mean that we might need to move a little bit more. It might mean that our calories are a little bit too low. It might mean you're not hydrated. All right. All of those things play a role in your ability to recover.
1: Right. But when when you are sore. Keep moving. Maybe do something different. Go for a walk. Do some Pilates. Do some yoga. Something like that. It will really help.
0: So, how does we we talked a little bit about just a second ago, but how does nutrition play a role in terms of recovery, and especially like when you were going through your your training?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I I don't think I I had the best fuel for my time when I was doing that, but. Nutrition is so important. So many people think of, okay, I'm going to go hard and fast at the gym and then I'm going to restrict my calories down to twelve 1,200 or 1,500. And you can't do that. You're going to be incredibly sore. You're not fueling your muscles for the growth and the change that you want to happen. So... Knowing what you're putting in your body is so beneficial so that you can recover, making sure you're getting all of your macronutrients, your proteins, your carbohydrates and your fats. It's so necessary to be able to see that those results that you're looking for.
0: And in the nutrient timing is also important too. like, like you need to be eating to fuel your workouts, especially if your plan is to go hard. Mm-hmm. And again, we just talked about, it. you're going to vary your intensity from workout to workout, but primarily, especially if you're starting to feel weak or like you feel like you're not recovering protein and carbohydrates mm-hmm. and carbohydrates a little bit more. So when we're talking about like our hand portion method, an extra cupped hand of like starches or fruit, that can be the difference in oh. your ability to perform well and not only that recover also after the fact
1: absolutely knowing that if you're going to go for a workout and you're just not feeling it have a piece of fruit before you go into that workout it'll give you a little bit of of that sugar that you need to to fuel that workout as well
0: and also nutrient deficiencies can also be a cause of sort of muscle weakness or you can feel like you have muscle weakness because you have these nutrient deficiencies. So that's why we always recommend sort of knowing what your nutrient deficiencies are, which you can go to your doctor and, and get a blood test um, and sort of figure out which ones you're sort of deficient in. Obviously, we've talked about vitamin D this mm-hmm. time of year and how most people in the northern hemisphere, they end up being vitamin D deficient. About 85% of people wow. actually are vitamin D deficient. Um, But other ones too, like low B12, vitamin B12, which is very common among plant-based eaters, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) And then low iron, again, very common among endurance athletes. Women and plant based eaters. So, knowing how your diet also is affecting your ability to have that energy and for your body to be able to recover.
1: Absolutely. Do some research when you're training. If you're training for something specific, maybe an endurance um, program, like if you're training for a half marathon, a marathon, making sure that you're getting the right nutrients during that training is going to make your training so much better and you're going to recover so much faster.
0: And again, we're not saying that supplements are the sort of pet magic pill. that you take supplements, you're not going to feel sore anymore. There's many elements that we've talked about in this podcast, and especially in terms of nutrition. So many, in fact, like we would be overwhelming for us to go over all of them. So if you do have specific questions around nutrition and recovery and how they play a role, we'll maybe cover that on a future podcast. One thing in terms of pills, since we're on the topic, is that I've had clients in the past, and I don't know about you, they... Feel that delayed on a set muscle soreness after a workout mm-hmm. and they take an Aleve. Oh, yeah. 100%. Ibuprofen.
1: hundred um, percent. So many people take uh, Tylenol, Motrin, Aleve, anything that they can get their hands on just to um, help with that soreness. Where uh, if you just moved a little bit um, that day and did some stretches, you would feel a ton better. But you're masking that pain, which could be something worse.
0: And not only that. But you also are almost giving your body a crutch. Yeah. Your body's ability to deal with inflammation is an important natural process. What those things like ibuprofen does and those NSAIDs is that it actually blocks protein synthesis too. So you may actually be blunting your ability to come back stronger mm-hmm. because protein, that protein synthesis isn't happening, which means that muscle growth is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I would strongly advise against doing anything like that. If you are somewhat sore and and you're not necessarily recovering as fast as you want, go with something like magnesium, like a a good buffered chalate magnesium, which will help with muscle soreness, small aches and pains also help from the muscle actually like contracting and like cramping or go with a natural anti-inflammatory, like a curcumin or two. Turmeric, which you can easily add into your food, which I've taken numerous times in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know we overdose on that acetaminophen, ibuprofen so often in the United States. It's it's a it's a really big issue. Well,
0: and if you do that, it loses its effectiveness. Yeah. Like, and your
1: liver just works overtime.
0: I've known people like if they're constantly on these medications when they actually do need it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't work anymore. And so then what happens mm-hmm. is or they, they, they have to do more, more of a dose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that's when we run into problems with yeah. like your liver and your kidneys and everything like that. Yeah. Oh. So – Uh, The last piece, obviously, is in a really important piece. And we talked a little bit about this in terms of stress reduction, making sure that you're taking time for yourself. But let's talk about just real quickly again, and we talk about it numerous times. But again, if we're talking about it numerous times, it's probably important is sleep.
1: Yeah, Uh, sleep. (laughs) Um, We need to create a bedtime routine. Sleep is so beneficial for us just to recover for our mental and our physical. That's where that's where the body takes a break and. Having a specific routine will help you make sure that you do get that necessary sleep.
0: And the routine doesn't mean just like setting an alarm, but there's so many technology aids these days to get better sleep. But real quickly... Eliminating blue light exposure yeah. at least 15 to 30 minutes before you go to bed. So, no cell phone, no tablet. You can wear blue blocking glasses, which you can find anywhere if you search on Amazon. Those are great at blocking out that blue light. The other thing, too, is setting your circadian rhythm into motion. So, first thing in the morning or you're getting some of that daytime sunlight actually helps to tell your brain, hey, I've started that biological clock. So, now that I've started that clock, eight hours from now, when that sun goes down, you're going to start to feel sleepy, start to feel tired as long as we're blocking out that blue light. Mm -hmm. The other thing too is trying to stay consistent in your bedtime. Mm -hmm. So like right now I have my phone set to 9.55. Andrea jokes, laughs at me like (laughs) that five minutes actually matters. But I just want to make sure I'm getting eight hours of sleep. So it's 9.55 and my phone actually has a system that alerts me Mm -hmm. 20 minutes before that bedtime. Hey, it's time to start winding down. So then I'll make sure that I, okay, time to put away work or whatever I'm working on, finish up a show I'm watching, then get into bed Mm -hmm. and read Mm -hmm. for that last 20 minutes, and then I have it set eight hours, which seven to nine hours is the perfect amount of sleep, so that way I'll get some quality sleep. And making sure that your room is cool, too, about 66 degrees is where you kind of want to be that's that sweet spot, where it's cool enough that you're not going to be waking up um, from... Uh, you know, being too hot.
1: Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having that, that reading time before you go to sleep actually quiets that brain to turn off what you've been thinking about on the whole day.
0: But definitely don't shortchange your sleep, guys. To me, it is the most underrated performance enhancer there ever was. Um, And I say that numerous times and I'll say it again. So um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you do have questions around recovery, please reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook and make sure you guys tune into, if you're not a part of the Train, Eat, Repeat uh, private group on Facebook. We actually are gonna be talking about an important piece sort of piece of recovery and that's a little bit of mobility of the hips this week so make sure you guys tune into that and make sure you tune in next week again i'm going to be sitting down with dr aaron horshig of squat university until next time guys stay strong stay healthy and we'll talk to you next time thanks for listening to train eat repeat connect with us on instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. until next time stay strong stay healthy